Alchemy is an ancient practice associated with science, chemistry, physics, astronomy, astrology, art, symbology, methodology, medicine, and philosophical analysis. And despite that these sciences were not exercised in a scientific way as known today, alchemy is the origin of modern logic. Dear listeners, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh, and welcome to another episode of Alchemy of Truth. With us today is our co-host, um, Anne Rose. Assalamu alaikum. Zaid, Assalamu alaikum, Assalamu alaikum, Assalamu alaikum, how are you? Alhamdulillah, how are you? Alhamdulillah, I was going to say Sarwa. Again? Yeah. Just takes... can't get it out of your head that I your can... token female co-host has actually changed. I can only remember my wife's name. And Sarwa's, apparently, which is um, <laughs> quite a Freudian slip there. <laughs> took uh, took me a couple of weeks to remember that name. Anyways, uh, so tonight um, is a very exciting night. We have supermodels coming over, inshallah. Oh, NASA. Oh, well, dear. They're models and they're superheroes, so it's good enough, inshallah. We will be discussing the Faith Fashion Fusion Exhibition, which is being held at the Powerhouse Museum, which incidentally is only five minutes from where I work. And it's in Sydney. Oh, yeah, in Sydney, yeah. <laughs> okay. For those who don't know where NASA works, that <laughs> might not actually be a great point of reference. I, I work in Sydney, that's correct, yep. yes. So the exhibition starts on the 5th of May, and uh, in its own word, the exhibition, let me read from a paper here. The exhibition explores Sydney's emerging modest fashion market and the work of a new generation of fashion designers, retailers and bloggers offering stylish clothing and fashion advice to Muslim women. The show aims to challenge preconceived notions of Muslim women held by those in the non-Muslim and Muslim communities through focusing on a particular aspect of life which most women and many men invest much time and money into, style and fashion. It explores the fashion choices of Muslim women and the differences in cultural fashions, the emergence of a new Australian type of hijabi fashion and what different girls perceive as hijab and as modest dressing. Yep, so um, tonight we're going to be um, interviewing, I think, right, uh, three people? Yeah. Or two people, yeah. Three people. The first is the assistant curator of the show. We had to pay a lot of money to come over, <laughs> Melanie Pitkin, to discuss why the Powerhouse Museum is doing this, because uh, it's um, it's quite new. Mm. Um, we'll also be joined by two of the women involved in the exhibition, and uh, they're already here. They, they, they're not on their way. Yeah. <laughs> and... Um, they will be Sarah Shaban and Asma Fahmi to discuss their take on the exhibition and on fashion and modesty in Australia. So uh, we'll begin with uh, Melanie, which uh, we will call right now on the phone. Uh, who? Uh, oh, yeah, she spoke to us earlier. Yeah, that's right. Uh, here's her take on the fashion fusion. Hello, Melanie. How are you? Hello, I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm good. Thank you for joining us today on Alchemy of Truth. Okay, so can you begin by telling us a bit about the Faith Fashion Fusion exhibition and what we're going to see when we get there? Sure. So Faith Fashion Fusion, Muslim Women's Style in Australia, is what we'd call a new groundbreaking exhibition. It's the first of its kind, not only in Australia, but internationally. Yeah. So you're looking at a new generation of Muslim designer retailers who are designing modest clothing, so not just the Muslim market, but also non-Muslim women who just want to dress with that little bit more coverage. Yeah. So the exhibition kind of covers two themes. Mm. So we're looking at the local Sydney designer retailers, um, including Hidab House, yeah. Baraka Women, mm-hmm. uh, there's Faye Talawi, 
um, Integrity Boutique, Ida Zen and Ahita the Bikini Swimwear. And the other thing that we're looking at is a group of influential Muslim women. So those who are sort of breaking down the barriers about what people think a Muslim woman is. Um, People who are high profiled in the community and who are really succeeding in their fields. Brilliant. Um, And what made the Powerhouse Museum think of doing this kind of exhibition? Well, the idea actually came about back in 2006. Um, My colleague, Glennis Jones, saw Mecca Lala, who was the first Muslim female surf life-saving guard in the world. And this image came out in the media of her wearing um, one of Ahida's bikinis in the red and yellow surf life-saving colours. And she thought, wow, this is quite something. And she started to look into other Muslim fashion. And it took a little while to get off the ground, though, because there are certain processes involved in getting an exhibition to happen. So we started in 2010 actually working on the concept um, but the Powerhouse Museum is really well known for its fashion collection. Mm. And, you know, we look at things from uh, Haute Couture from Christian Dior and Chanel fashion all the way through to Central Asian textiles and Jalabas and Parangas and a whole mix. So we thought we'd look at a niche market, which is Muslim fashion. And because there's so much happening right now, it's the perfect time for it. Yeah. And what made you personally interested in being involved? Um, well, quite interesting because I have a lot of, my background's actually in Egyptology and I travel to Egypt oh, every year. It's an interesting time to be involved in that field. Yeah. <laughs> and so I have a lot of, to do with the Arabic Muslim community, also yeah. in Sydney. Um, I'm studying Arabic myself. Mm-hmm. I should have said assalam alaikum at the beginning of, <laughs> of the interview. <laughs> um, so, you know, I've been learning Arabic and I work with an Arabic organisation called Marath in Mind in Sydney as well. Yeah which promotes Arab arts in Australia. So I've had a lot to do with the Muslim community through that as well. And it was just the perfect timing for me because I'd finished off another project and then this one came along and it's a good fit. Brilliant. And do you feel like you yourself learnt more about Muslim women through being involved in the exhibition? Oh, most certainly. Um, I mean, it wasn't like it was the first time I'd met a Muslim woman before by working on the exhibition. Yeah. But (laughs) I guess finding out individual stories from the Muslim women, that's been the most amazing thing for everyone at the museum, actually, because it's not just the curators working on it, it's a huge team involved. Yeah. Um, but also to see the diversity of the Muslim community. Yeah. I mean, I think there's a stereotype that people associate Arab with Islam. Yeah. And yes, of course, there is that association, but Islam is a universal faith. Yeah. And that's the one thing that we've really tried to capture in the exhibition is how Islam you know, it's practiced in yeah. the Western world, in Asia, in, you know, the Indian subcontinent, in Africa. It's, yeah. It is diverse. Um, and do you think this show will challenge preconceived notions that the non-Muslim population hold about Muslim women? Most certainly. I think from the outset of the exhibition, we, we wanted to be looking at fashion. Yeah. And we thought fashion is something that everyone can relate to. Mm. So it's a really non-threatening and non-intimidating way of introducing people to Islam yeah. to Muslim women through something as like fashion which everyone you know we all wear clothes yeah <laughs> um so from Most that point of view yeah. that's right from that point of view we thought okay it's accessible through fashion so people can get to know the Muslim community yeah. but then we want to people to you know we want to break down boundaries yeah. and dispel the myth that 
is commonly portrayed through the media. So we're looking at the Muslim community through a very positive light by using fashion. Yeah, that's what I thought was a really great idea of it. Because I was in a restaurant recently with a male relative of mine, because my family aren't Muslim. Um, yeah. And he was talking about Muslim, stereotypes of Muslim women in... Well, he wasn't seeing them as stereotypes actually so much in the Middle East, all wearing black all the time and um, yeah. all these things, which obviously lots of Muslim women do and some choose to do and some uh, do that out of um, a compulsion. But I was saying to him how this restaurant we went to was actually really popular with Muslim girls. And I was saying every time we go here, every single week, you'll see a group of Muslim girls who aren't like that, who don't look like that, who are there by exactly. themselves and wearing different clothes. But somehow the image that stays with him is the image on the news of these girls dressed in black and crying because it's usually when something's been blown up and that kind of thing. Exactly. And I just found it so fascinating that even though there's a real image he's seen of real Muslim women, the one he managed to hold on to was just the one of something he hadn't actually seen himself just through the media. That's right. And at the beginning of the exhibition, that was the one question we kept getting asked all the time. Are you going to feature the burqa? And we really wanted to stay clear of that because that is, as you say, what everyone thinks about when they think of Muslim fashion first. But there's so much more to it than that. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Now, the girls involved in the show, they come from a diverse range of backgrounds. And like you said, this is reflective of the diversity of the Muslim community in Australia. Mm -hmm. Did you see different cultural trends coming through in their styles? It's, yeah, it's a good question. It's a real mixture. There's a lot of women dressing in very Western styles. Yeah. And there's a lot who are also bringing in their cultural backgrounds into their dress. So I think one thing that I found to be most um, apparent for this was through the wearing of the hijab. Yeah. I mean, there are so many different ways of, of wearing it. Yeah. But, yeah. you know, you can wear it really tight to your face and cover your hair, or you can wear it quite loose. And yeah. we found that when we met with women from sort of the Pakistan, Indian subcontinent and Turkey, that type of area, they like to wear it very loose so we could start to identify their cultural background just based on the way they're wearing a hijab. Mm. Many of those involved are now second or third generation Australians who have been born and raised in Australia. So do you think that a particularly Australian style of modest fashion is being forged? Most definitely. I think um, it goes back to Ahida, so the designer of the bikini, and mm. she was really influenced by the whole beach culture of Australia and loving sport and how can Muslim women participate in, you know, sport like any other person? Yeah. Um, so, you know, she's really carved a niche market for herself based on that. But, you know, just the climate in Australia as well and the types of fabrics that the designers are choosing and the whole um, layering of clothing. Yeah. And one of the designers, um, Ida Zine, she's actually designed an abaya in the colours of, you know, the, the bulldogs and Parramatta Oh, no, you're kidding. <laughs> That's horrendous. I should get my sister one in the sea eagles colours. She'd kill me, actually, more than anything, I think. Oh, wow, that's amazing. Now, often Muslim women feel as though their choice to wear or not wear the headscarf defines them in the eyes of the Muslim and non-Muslim community, especially in a Western society like this. So women who choose to wear the headscarf are sort of primarily identified by that choice by non-Muslims, but if they choose not to wear a headscarf, they are often primarily identified by that choice by Muslims. Mm -hmm. Now, with this exhibition, do you think it in any way reinforces the stereotype for Muslim women that essentially we are what we wear or does it mm. challenge the stereotype and if so how 
One thing that we really try to do is get a full spectrum of Muslim women in this exhibition. So we have everyone featured from a Muslim who doesn't wear the hijab yeah. and doesn't and tries to be modest still, but you know she might show her her wrists or her ankles, yeah. and all the way through to a woman who has worn the niqab, um, but now has gone back to just wearing the hijab. But we're just trying to show the diversity of Muslim women's dress. Um, and we've done this project actually as part of the exhibition called um, Are You What You Wear, actually. We've asked that oh, question wow. of people. So, <laughs> I thought maybe you've already seen that on our website. No, <laughs> just psychic. So, um, <laughs> so there's a, a, an art collective in Melbourne of young Muslim women called Crooked Rib. Mm. Yeah, and I've heard of You've heard of them? Yeah. yeah. So we're inspired by them to go out on the streets of Sydney and to certain Muslim events. And to ask women to write on a like a piece of paper, a small placard, something about themselves that you can't tell by their appearance. Oh, that's so clever. Because at the end of the day, you know, what you're wearing only tells a small part of your story. Was it interesting, the results? We've had the most amazing breadth of responses from people. Yeah. You know, some people will tell you something about their career that's quite surprising, like one woman studied Chinese medicine and she's an acupuncturist. <laughs> wow all the way through to being an artist or a musician or yeah. something about their personality. You know, Islam made me confident. Yeah. Um, but we've also, uh, if that sort of runs into the next question that I see on your sheet. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so that <laughs> question is, what is your favourite part of the exhibition that our listeners should keep an eye out for when they visit? Yeah, so based on that crooked rib idea, we have a photo booth in the exhibition that anyone can come up to. Mm and write something about themselves again that you can't tell based on looking at them yeah and have a photograph taken mm. it feeds into the exhibition so you can see it running through the wall and then this picture will then go onto the website and yeah. then people can share it and you know facebook it and tweet it oh brilliant well that sounds fantastic and thank you so much for joining us tonight melanie You're welcome. Um, and hopefully we will see you at the exhibition Sounds good. Thank, Thank you for having me. You're Thank you. And that was uh, Melanie Pitkins, the assistant curator at the Powerhouse Museum. Yeah, thanks, Melanie, again. Yeah, she's awesome. Yeah. Melanie. All right, so now um, time for the uh, uh, the supermodels. Oh. Yeah, no, I know. You sound so creepy. They do. Why? Every time you say it. I don't know, it's just something in your voice. And now for the supermodels? <laughs> <laughs> That's not what I meant at all. Uh, so with us uh, here tonight um, is uh, Sister Asma Fahmi. Assalamu alaikum. Wa alaikum assalam. And Sister Sara Shabo. Hi. Hi, how are you? Good. I hope I said your name right. Yes, you did. Thank okay, you. Okay, good. Alhamdulillah. Um, so, yeah, let's um, get started. Uh, how did you get involved in the exhibition? To what both of you. I, I, had, um, I didn't really know about it. I uh, was approached at Lakimba Mosque on Eid last year. Uh, Eid al-Fitr, the first Eid. And... Um, uh, Melanie actually stopped me on the street and said, I, I really like what you're wearing. Uh, I'm part of the powerhouse and we're, we're working on an exhibition in the coming year about Muslim women in fashion. You know, would you mind uh, us photographing you and talking about your outfit? That's a compliment. So, yes, it was. It was really, it was really, um, it was really flattering, especially at the mosque. And yeah. uh, half my outfit was really my, my work outfit, just appropriated more for the mosque in the Mosky. morning uh, because, you know, you can still make um, morning prayers and still make it time to get into work. Mm. So it was it was really really good. Um, she asked me a few questions about 
you know, what, what I was wearing and fashion influences and, uh, you know, obviously um, if uh, my faith or, or background shapes my, uh, the way I dress and things like that. Yeah. So it was, um, yeah, it was really good. Brilliant. And that's fine. Yeah. I initially bumped into them at Victoria Park in Sydney one day um, and they just took some street style photos. I was wearing a Faye Talawi dress and they really liked that. And then... Um, through my work at the Community Relations Commission, um, they sponsor one of the centres at the Powerhouse Museum, which is the Migration Heritage Centre. And so we were invited to have a look at previews and like to give our input. Um, we had some of, some of the commissioners there who also gave their input um, about what they liked and what they would like to see, etc. Um, and then through that, I actually helped to organise a photo shoot for for the exhibition. So rounded up about 20 girls mm. um, of varying ethnicities. And, yeah, we had a really fun day, um, you know, with the photo shoots. And we got to go behind the scenes and have a look at what they were building for the exhibition. And, um, and yeah, and just doing a bit of work for them here and there. Um, that they've asked me to do. So it's been really exciting and I can't wait for the exhibition to open up. Okay. Um, how was the how is the experience so far? Experience has been really fun. Um, I didn't expect it to be this much fun, but um, my experience has probably been a bit different because I've been... I've been seeing them at work behind the scenes. I've been seeing the graphic designers at work and mm-hmm. the camera people have gone to different locations with them. Um, and just just to see how they build exhibitions, not necessarily just the Faith Fashion Fusion one, but to see how they're building other exhibitions behind the scenes, like in their little factory. It's been a lot of fun for yeah. me. So I think it's just been a priceless experience, yeah. Brilliant. And... Was there anything in particular that made you want to be a part of this project or like anything you wanted to challenge or just for, you know, personal insight or that kind of thing that made you really interested in being a part of it? Oh, I think for me it's um, because I'm quite into, I guess, fashion or style. Yeah. And it was just really flattering to be stopped and... um, noticed for that you know it's it's a pretty big audience at Lakemba Mosque for her to walk up to me after a crowd and say look I really want to talk to you I really like what you're wearing yeah and I love that it wasn't one of those what do you believe in what is this about it's more well what are you wearing yeah and why do you wear what you wear for example or what do you like what style influences you it wasn't just based on all oh, you wear a scarf yeah it was more well how yeah. are you wearing this That's, today we or, were talking what, to Melanie and she was saying it was trying to address the universalism of everyone wears clothes basically um and just talking about it from that perspective rather than you know trying to bring deeper meanings into it which is so endless when you're a Muslim and um I think it was just that they're trying to actually you know how we always have these um you know gripes with the media trying to undress the woman or Mm. the woman behind the veil oh yeah but this is really embracing okay yeah it's a veil but you know it's also a fabric amaze makes scarves for 700 dollars and women wear them around their head like Audrey Hepburn and that seems to be fine yeah another woman styles it in a certain way and you think it's a form of oppression you know but um I think with the powerhouse museum it's really just looking at this is this could be considered something as as a fashion piece as well and these are how all the different women in Sydney uh wear it you know and I really love that they've gone through different communities as well not just Middle Eastern community yeah. You know, if you see on the website, there's Indonesians mm. and um, a lot of subcontinent women as well as, as reverts. So I really, um, I'm really like proud that they went through the efforts of finding the various communities in Sydney, yeah. which sometimes never have a voice, and they're quite, you know, they're quite stylish and um, interesting, creative women. Yeah. <laughs> now, why is it that you like dressing fashionably? And this might seem like a weird question, especially for a radio, not TV show, but 
looking at you both, you're both wearing really nice clothes, um, quite standoutish. And what is it exactly that makes you interested in dressing in a fashionable way? I don't really think I'm very fashionable, to be honest. Um, <laughs> I'll let Sarah answer this question, but just to go back to your previous question, yeah. um, what I really liked about the sort of philosophy behind the exhibition is that, um, so a friend of mine, Manel Shulk, mm. um, she was actually photographed on Chapel Road, I think it was, in Melbourne, um, uh, to and featured on the blog, the, the number one fashion blog in the world called The Sartorialist. And she was just, I think she was wearing a mustard colour hijab and she was wearing an abaya, but it was the way she sort of accessorised. And, um, you know, she had a beautiful sort of Moroccan looking scarf wrapped around her bag. And, you know, she just looked absolutely stunning. Mm. And she was the first hijabi ever to be featured in this worldwide famous blog that is read by millions of Mm. women all over the world. Or not read, but, you know, seen by (laughs) millions of women all over the world. I can say it. Yeah, including the curators. Exactly. Sarah's a a fan. Yeah, seeing that a few years back. Yeah, it would be. You know, like, what, four or five years later, this is happening, you know? Exactly. And that's, the thing is, the curators of the exhibition also saw that. And usually when there's a story about Muslim women in the media, a lot of the comments underneath are, are quite negative. Um, even if it's a positive news story about Muslim women, a lot of the you find a lot of comments to be rather negative. But what they found was that uh, under that photo in that blog, people were just just in love with the photo and just in love with the idea of a Muslim woman, a hijabi woman, being in the sartorialist. Yeah. You know, you had all these non-Muslims just praising her and you know saying really nice things about her. And I think that really sort of piqued their interest um, to the point where they thought, well, hang on, we could work with this because this is what sort of, you know, um, I guess clothing um, and style and fashion is something that's quite universal. And it doesn't matter what background you come from, what religion, ethnicity, whatever. A lot of people can appreciate a good sense of style. And so I think that was sort of the catalyst for them to sort of explore that. And that's what I really like about the exhibition is that they're sort of bringing people together um, and sort of addressing um, divisive issues through the medium of of something innocuous as as style and fashion. So I think that that should be applauded. Yeah. But as I said, I don't really think I'm fashionable. (laughs) For me, my philosophy is if it's clean... I'll wear it. Um, so I think Sarah should answer that question. Uh, okay. So yeah, to go back to it, it was, why do you like dressing fashionably? To be honest, I don't really like the term fashionably. I yeah, think it's sometimes hard, isn't it? When you say fashion, it just denotes this is a seasonal thing and as opposed to uh, a, maybe like a style you probably you have. Yeah. Um, I think for me it's just, it's, it's, it's like a form of creativity almost. Yeah, you it know? really is. I I, it's, it's like every day you have, to, you have to get dressed, you have to cover up, you have to wear clothes. And it's almost like, you know, why do you have to see it as a uniform? Yeah. I mean, I work in the city. We both work as public servants. I mean, we still have a professional, uh, like a professional face in terms of uh, serving the wider community. But you know what? There's no real dictation into what we should wear. Not everyone has to wear a structured suit mm. every day with six inches letters that they cannot walk in and you know make a plastered on their face and I think um, it's just that I think fashion is and style or clothing in Sydney especially is really accessible yeah. and I don't I don't know why women want to limit themselves if they have that urge to want to dress really nicely you know we all, I you know I work full-time I don't say I'm you know super rich but you know what I think all the things I've been able to purchase and buy they're really reasonable yeah and um, I think that's a really good thing about living in Sydney in that 
I probably work in town, my influences are very different. And, you know, I notice things on the street, and I think, wow, that's that's really nice. And I have an idea of maybe how I can appropriate that to me. Yeah. And um, it's just that you know, I just I you know I work really hard. I I don't want to have a mortgage and a debt in my life. Mm. I don't, you know, yeah. I don't want an expensive car, but you know what? I, I want to look lovely. Yeah. And I think enough. I could, I can do that. And I don't have to tell my creator one day, oh, I'm sorry, God, I, you know, I've put all my money in a debt and I owe you still mm. till now. Instead, it's, I've, I've purchased a few things. Mm. And to be honest, I think with, with things like that, it's, I've always been uh, open with sharing or giving ideas to people or even sharing my wardrobe. Yeah. So it's, I think it's that sense of perhaps like a communal aspect as well. NASA looks so mystified at this talk <laughs> of fashion. I, I'm, I'm enjoying the fashion. I just wanted to turn around and stop my train of thought. Really best thing about getting married is you don't have to worry about fashion anymore. Your wife dresses you. Yeah, clearly. This so. is why this your is an exhibit of Muslim women's fashion and not men's fellas. Uh, let's face it, they probably just mm. saw all the fellas and thought, we'll just stick to women. And yeah, <laughs> yeah. we don't want to embarrass the, the Muslim community with the men. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I think some people have a natural inclination towards fashion. Um, and I think Sarah is just a prime example of that. She's yeah. very nuanced and she, you know, she really looks at textures and colours and she's very um, generous in giving advice to people and you know, letting them know what looks good on them what doesn't i think some people are just natural stylists yeah and others just you know get by <laughs> yeah I, I found it funny how you were saying before though about how dressing fashionably is kind of uncomfortable because i have a good friend who i think dresses amazingly and she was saying people always come up to her and go you dress so differently and she's like <laughs> i know you mean that i look weird you could you could just say it. it's all yeah. over your face but yeah. yeah it's just funny it's hard to kind of find the words sometimes mm. yeah <laughs> uh, okay, let me ask you this question. Maybe this question will be more relevant to me. Uh, do you think um, that you can be a practicing Muslim as well as somebody who's fashionable, or do these two sort of ideas um, collide? Um, I think I think we're constantly being taught as Muslims that you know Allah loves beauty and that we should look presentable. Um, in terms of fashion, like for instance, you. What you have to define the word to begin with, mm. you know what what's in fashion could also be very Islamic, or um, for example, if big maxi dresses are in, um, that's sort of very similar to sort of wearing an abaya, for yeah, instance. Yeah, suddenly we're in. Do yeah, and to, then uh, that's that's fashionable. So I think in terms of you know, I think you need to define the word to begin with in order to really address the issue. But I think uh, as Muslims, you should look presentable. I really believe we live in a society where people sort of judge you um, on your appearance. Um, and you can sort of adhere to Islamic principles and adhere to your basic, um, you know, beliefs. Just a sec, Asma, for Nasa and our male listeners out there, could you please define what is a maxi dress? <laughs> oh, my goodness. I was going to Google oh. it. But... It's just Fashion 101 lesson now. It's a dress that sort of flows outwards. So, you know. To the ground. To the yeah. Like a dress. Maximum <laughs> limit. Yeah, yeah a maximum long dress. Limit. We'll call it a long, a long dress. dress. Okay. Yeah. You've got to have fashion buzzwords so. to get all the kids interested. Yeah. Right. I wouldn't have known that maxi was one of them, though, to be honest. <laughs> oh, it's been around for a while. I thought it, it was a kind of self-defining concept, though. Yeah. Apparently not. We have learned tonight. Yeah, so it's like a, a thobe for women, <laughs> more or less. Oh wow! Correct. <laughs> a sexier uh, version, probably, or if, a nicer fabric. Uh, you know. Uh, you know, you haven't seen thobes in in the Arab world. They're actually, quite nice. I really like abayas. I really, really, really like abayas. I think if we lived in a society that sort of um, appreciated or had a tradition of wearing that, you know. That's mm. 
you know, clothes like Abays, etc. I really think that, you know, there is there is it there is a great. market for that. I, there's a designer out there called um what's her name? Camilla Franks and she mm. does kaftans. She sells them for eight hundred dollars each and they just look like the kind of kaftans, you know, we'd get from the Middle East when we're in Dubai or something. Yeah. Just a really casual summary sequin kaftan or something from Morocco. Yeah, they um, are beautiful. Women do women pay up to seven, eight hundred dollars for one of yeah, the Yeah, well even the big designers, don't they? They make a buyers the, like yeah, Chanel is it? Or someone Chanel's like that. Chanel's bringing them out for, yeah. for, for the their, for their audience, especially yeah. like the Emirati audience and stuff. So. Which I find so fascinating from a French fashion company considering everything that's happening right now in France with banning the niqab and stuff. And I'm pretty sure Chanel actually makes niqabs and headscarves and yeah. they yeah. do in they Dubai do. and that kind of thing. Yeah. And yeah, it's just actually, such a fascinating This is something that I can control Tribute to some very excited no. Jump in there. Uh, because I shine. thank you, thank you. Yeah. Because <laughs> I stop. worked uh, in the Middle East for a number of years, mm. um, and I worked with a lot of women as well. Yeah. Um, I could actually see that abayas they were they were from international brands, and I mm. thought that in the beginning they were just buying you know scarves, yeah. general purpose scarves, and and yeah. wearing them that way. Yeah. But it turns out that it's not just catering to women; it's catering to men as well. Mm. And. Um, in, in, I mean, also like, uh, you know, the eshmach, the, um, I don't know what you guys call it, the eshmach, the thing that you wrap around your neck or your hair. Hijab. No, the, the, the guy, the thing the that guys wear. The, the, um, I think you no. guys call it kafia or something. Kafia, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that, again, is, is being sold by international brands. Oh, wow. Yeah. European oh. brands. <laughs> or even in a place like General Pants and Urban Outfitters, it really took off for a while there as a neck yeah. thing for guys oh, yes. to wear. Yes. No, but I'm, I'm, not talking yeah, about, I'm not talking about these casual ones. I'm talking about Sorry, the Nassar. real... Sorry, luxury. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> I'm talking about the, yeah, the real luxury formal ones. Yeah. The yeah. ones mm-hmm. that like uh, the shiuch and the princes in Saudi Arabia Are wear wearing, when yeah. they're stealing the money of the people they're supposed to represent. <laughs> Moving on. Um, uh, but also, I mean, when you're talking about the abaya, because it's something that mm-hmm. I, I think it's amazingly beautiful mm-hmm. and uh, my wife hates it, but I think it's really <laughs> nice. Um, it, it's different, in, for example, in Iraq than it is in Egypt exactly. than it is in the Middle East. Yes. yes. In yeah. Iraq, for example, you put it over your head. Yeah. While in, the Middle, uh, in, in uh, Dubai and Saudi, you put it over your shoulder. Actually, in Saudi, it's just an, um, a tent. But in Dubai, for example, it's... Are you talking um, about the men's? Um, the women's, I'm talking about. Oh, the about. women's line. Yeah. Oh, the different okay. forms of abaya. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, um, uh, like, I like the ones in Iraq much more than the ones in Dubai. I don't know why, maybe because I, like... The ones in Saudi tend to be more black, but they're still nice because they have Some nice of them, sort the of patterns in and them. whatnot. Are yeah. In, like, amazingly intricate. Sometimes they go crazy. The Moroccan Ibeas, everyone knows the Moroccan Ibeas. They're very yeah. distinct. What's the um, they're very colourful. They've got that kind of triangle hood. They have the, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Triangle hood. Triangle hood. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, I think with this discussion and the way, Nasa, you've sent it, it's really funny that now fashion houses are trying to tailor things to the Muslim community. Mm. Yeah. Yet the question in the beginning was, well, how do you find that you're able to be fashionable and Muslim? It's and now the question is these big fashion houses are trying to appeal to Muslims. Yeah, absolutely. So it's almost like how do we get them it's to gone like the other way our around. clothes instead of us liking their clothes? Well played. Because yeah. I've just realised we're never going to wear your singlet tops or your mini shorts. Yeah, yeah. You don't have this market, which is a really big market. Yeah. You know, mm. and I think um, it's amazing that we've held to our principles and our dress our dress sense and They've had to be creative and probably employ us working for them yeah. to try to appeal to our communities. Yeah, you know, That's so really um, yeah, and I for, look for them. It's just at the end of the day, it's just the bottom line. It's just the money, profit money, margin. Money. Yeah, they're just a business at the end of the day. So you, you know, know, let's just be happy that we both benefit in that mm. transaction. Because exactly, I'm, I'm yeah. going to spend my money on someone that's catering to my needs as well. Look, and there, if that there, happens to be Chanel. So be it. Exactly. So be it. Well, <laughs> once my budget allows it. Well, it depends on you know how ethical you'd like to be. <laughs> But um, I think there was there was a period where people were um, 
complaining that there was no, nothing Islamic in the stores today, no long sleeves, no, you know, mm. but now we have such, a, you know, an ample amount and people are like, now it's too fashionable. So I think, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's funny. It's really. funny. No worries. Um, we've spoken a lot, so we're just going to make some tea while we have our listeners to listen to this Nasheed. So we will be back in, we'll be back, sorry, in a few minutes, inshallah. لا إله إلا الله محمد رسول الله عليه صلاة الله وآله والأحباء
And we're back. Jazakumullah uh, khairan for listening to that beautiful nasheed, which is uh, released anywhere before 2009. And Anna Rose thought it was released today or something. I didn't actually. <laughs> Nasa made a lot of fun of me for my old-fashioned taste in nasheed and how out of touch I am. I actually like this nasheed a lot. It's okay. uh, quite a nice nasheed. Thank you. Uh, anyways. Um, Nasheeds well, uh, are cool. Alhamdulillah. <laughs> yeah. Generally, generally they're cool. Yeah, Nessa yeah. played a horrendous one last week. Don't listen to it. You've got to play the Singaporean Hakani Ensemble. They are really good. They're Done. Really amazing. Next week. Yeah. Definitely. They're good. <laughs> yeah, so I'll actually have to write it down, but I can't because I'm about to ask my next question. <laughs> uh, so most w- Muslim women are ap- ap- uh, assumed to be oppressed. They're, they're assumed to be de- completely dependent on their male counterparts, if it's a father, or a you know a brother, a husband, etc., um, generally, even in Western society. So do you think that uh, dressing fashionably or dressing with this sense of fashion, fashion um, dispels these assumptions? Does it give you a sense or a feel of it, independence or power? That's a really complicated, mm. very loaded question. Um, I think that, first of all, you know, we can't deny there are some women oppressed, mm. Muslim women oppressed around the world, and that's a lot of the time that's due to cultural norms. 
um, or not understanding, um, not being given their religious rights. Um, but yeah. at the same time, there are many non-Muslim women who are also oppressed in different yeah. ways. I think oppression affects many women in different ways, and to reduce it, to reduce such a serious sort of issue to, um, you know, to fashion and style or to a piece of fabric, sort of really undermines, um, you know, the the severity of the the trauma that they that they're facing. Yeah. Um, it's unfortunate that people do reduce it to um, the way people dress. Um, but I think uh, because, you know, the, the issues that they're facing is usually based on their life experiences or what they've gone through and whatnot. Mm. Or, you know, living in a war-torn country, for instance, you know, they're obviously subjected to different challenges than what we might be facing here, you know, in the West. But for some people, they just see Islam as just big, one homogenous group. Yeah. Um, and they don't really understand the intricacies involved and the geopolitical reasons that sort of lead to these um, instances in the first place. But I think... Um, in general terms, when somebody does see someone who's sort of um, who who is covered and stylish, I think it does change their perception. Um, I really believe, in my opinion, I really believe that it does. Like the other day, my friend was telling me that a guy in her class came up to her and said, "You know, um, you know, why aren't you matching your clothes today? I've noticed that a lot of Muslim women match their clothes." And you know, he and he was talking about why he liked that. Um, and I've I've had comments from people all the time saying, "Oh, you know, uh, I like the scarf you're wearing today. I like that color, you know, or um, you know, or they they comment um, about your clothes and stuff." And I think it it does sort of um, present a sort of more approachable, yeah. Um, a, you know, there is that more approachable appeal, I suppose. Yeah. Um, I, I just want to add um, maybe my two cents to that. I think. Uh, We've changed a lot, say, in the past decade as Muslim women in the public sphere, especially the work sphere. Yeah. Uh, because, I mean, if we're just at home all the time or we're told you should be a childcare worker mm-hmm. or a primary school teacher, that's, well, you're not really, I mean, it's it's a great job, mm. don't get me wrong, but to say that you're in a wider Australian society or context to ever be seen as other than this, this Muslim housewife, oppressed woman thing, because it's very hard because you're not really a part of that. Yeah. But, I mean, if you look at it now, I mean, I, I can walk around the city and I see plenty of hijabi women. Yeah. I've got friends who, one, one of my friends is a PhD in um, vascular immunology and she, tra- you know, she travels around Australia and talks about her research grants. Yeah. And she's hijabi and she's quite stylish but very assertive as well and yeah. I think the fact that whatever you're wearing if you're presenting something to someone and you're from a knowledgeable background of your trained expert in that I don't even think they even factor that in yeah do you know what I mean yeah um uh, I I think it's just um I think we have to give the general public especially in an Australian context the benefit of the doubt that we're really really interesting people like I I will see a a goth or a punk down the street and that the way they dress is very foreign to me but you know what I'll say kudos to you for having your own style and wearing that and who's to say they're not looking at us thinking I might not wear that but you know what kudos to you for wearing that yeah you know, I, I think that, that funny sometimes why do you... we assume everyone's going to hate on us for wearing what we wear when you know a lot of the times they're like you know, congrats. Yeah. We're not slaves to anyone else's idea of what we should wear. Mm. So maybe we should not always walk around assuming that we're going to be seen as that because then we're, you know, we're shooting ourselves in the foot because you don't know what what someone else thinks of you. The average person doesn't watch Today Tonight, doesn't listen to it. They they know it's, it's, you know, it's spoon-fed dribble, Mm. you know, and I think we've got to understand that, you know, a lot of these people are like, oh, 
I, you know, I remember a Muslim woman who was my, you know, daughter's childcare teacher. I remember a Muslim woman at university, especially university. Mm. Once you get into those ages where you go to university, a lot of these people who've come from country towns who've never seen a black person, let alone a Muslim person, yeah. have, have just had this life-changing experience. And we've got it, you know, they go on to the workforce and onwards, but they're always going to remember, I've met people like this before mm. and they were fine and they were great. They were my workmates or, I mean, my uni mates or something like that. And, and um, yeah, I mean, they must all be quite... I also think that the current sort of crop of um, hijabis that are out there are probably the most anyone has ever seen. Yeah, It's out there in the workforce and in the mainstream and stuff. So I think people are now getting used to it. It's just one of those things, you know, the more people that are out there, the more people, you know, going out there and contributing to society, the more people will be accepting of you. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I've had a lot of people say to me, oh, you know, you're one of the first Muslims, you know, I've met. I'm like, I'm pretty sure you've met other Muslims, but I'm probably the first hijabi you've met, you know. Yeah. Um, but I think we just need to to be out there. I think, you know, previous generations, uh, a lot of them were migrants and, and unfortunately a lot of them um, were unskilled. Yeah, um, definitely. I, th- I remember, I think Tariq Ramadan was writing about this, about how kind of the big backlash with Muslims happened. And he was saying it's funny because the first generation of Muslims were there, but they weren't really visible to the wider community yeah. in the way that the second generation were. And that's when the wider community kind of woke up and went, hey, there are Muslims here. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. When did that happen? Yeah. But We've actually, always been here. Yeah, yeah, but they were not They were the Muslims who were born there, who mm-hmm. people are suddenly yeah. saying, Muslims here? Yeah. Like, it's, yeah, it's a really exactly. interesting point. And I think, well, I said before, a lot of them were unskilled. You know, at the same time, a lot of them were skilled, but unfortunately... Um, you know, the access to, to the labour market was probably a bit more constrained for them. So yeah. constricted because of language barriers and whatnot. So, yeah, just didn't want to <laughs> judge there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, brilliant. Um, now, often Muslim women feel like they are ju- judged by non-Muslims for being too Muslim, yet also feel like they're being judged by Muslims on whether their hijab is Muslim enough. So what do you think is with the hijab obsession? Yeah, exactly. Good question. <laughs> I think, uh, honestly, the way, well, the way I see things is that, you know, I'm not perfect. Um, therefore, I don't really s- put myself in a position to be judging other people. Yeah. But I think there are a lot of people within the Muslim community who do sort of um, stand on their soapbox and judge others for the way they, they wear the hijab. But at the end of the day, you know, the reason why you're wearing it is to get nearer to Allah. So it's it's a personal choice between you and Allah. Yeah. And I don't really think it's the place for anybody to sort of cast dispersions or, or judge others, um, you know, because you have to look in the mirror. You have to ask yourself, are you the perfect Muslim? You know, if no, then really, I don't really think you have a place to, to judge others about yeah. it. I think the idea here is that... Oh, okay, sorry, I thought my voice wasn't appearing. Okay, I think the idea here is rather than saying this is right or this is wrong, um, treating it in a respectful manner. Mm. Because what's been happening over the last 10, 20, 30 years in the West, and also, I guess, in the Muslim world, is that these sort of things have been sort of um, struck into women. That if a woman is not, you know, one inch in or out, that she's sort of seen mm-hmm. as the worst of creation, mm. while another or person... Or the best of creation. Or the best Either of way. creation. Mm. Just and, such a yeah, and their actions would then be completely useless yeah it would just be like a token hijab if she's wearing hijab and she's like i don't know a drug dealer that's fine she's wearing hijab yeah Yeah, exactly yeah so i mean again the fact that you know hijab is 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 you know and people have to wear it that's something that in the end of the day like you said is is um 
a woman's choice. Yeah. You can force her to wear it, but then she's going to be like Iranian woman and just wear it really funny. Yeah. Or oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> Geopolitical analysis by yeah. Nasser Al Khatib. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. this, is, this is a fact when you look at yeah. some countries, which I'm not going to mention, like Saudi Arabia or Iran. Yeah, yeah. Let's just name names. Of course. When you, no, no, I'm, I'm not naming any names. <laughs> of course not. And we're not blaming the Iranian women. I mean, if this is an imposition upon them, then really, can you blame them for? Exactly. I mean, I'm guessing a, a lot of feminists would now jump and say, yes, it's not the women's fault. But again, <laughs> in these societies, the, the, this restriction is on both men and women. Yeah. And the way that they deviate... And I'm not saying about taking the hijab as deviation. I'm talking about other much more severe deviations. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, it's both on the men and the women. Yeah. So again, this is uh, a much larger problem. The hijab of uh, is you know, uh, the hijab is one of those uh, symptoms. Mm-hmm. Mm. Very yeah. interesting. Um, you know, I um, I remember having a discussion with the, uh, an American sheikh at a retreat, Sam McKinnon, and he was talking about um, his community in, in the States, in the Bay Area in California, and he was uh, speaking about how a lot of women, I mean, these were mainly from um, Indian kind of backgrounds, yeah. and, um, you know, the, the mums and the aunties would be like, come speak to my daughter, she doesn't wear hijab, every day I tell her she's going to go to hell, you know, for what she's wearing, blah, blah, blah. And so the daughter comes to agree to speak to him, and she's, you know, she's talking about things like how she just doesn't believe in her faith anymore, she's almost lost her identity, she's mm. got depression issues or family issues, and I really think that when you just look at someone and just judge someone on their appearance, you have no idea, like, yeah. what this person's going through, you know? And I think even in my experiences at, you know, at uni and I went to Sydney uni this is only like five six years ago nobody would talk to me and I would go every day to the masala like I mean hello I'm going and I'm praying you know but so you have no idea and how can you even assume that I would probably not be as practicing as the next person yeah you know I think we really shoot ourselves in the foot here with other Muslims like who are you to think you're even a pride better yeah you know I mean the sister wants to wear a leopard scarf she's covering her hair what's your problem if you want to go to La Kemper and buy a plain black scarf and pin it the way everyone else has pinned it in every other generation that's great that's your choice but someone else is doing the same thing but they're having fun with it mm. what's it to you I mean maybe yeah. I think maybe also as well with I've noticed with a few um, into hijabis maybe it's almost like this subtle jealousy like wow she's worn it in a really nice way I wish I could wear it like that mm. but I can't I never thought of it to wear that way you know yeah. so I think that we've also got to just appreciate I think a lot of it comes with a subtle jealousy almost it is it yeah you it's know, an interesting I, really, one. I think for a Muslim woman to yeah. appropriate the hijab in a way um, my girlfriend bought a beautiful kaftan from Zara like to below her knees and she wore it with like fitted jeans and a beautiful gold belt and her scarf everything was covered it looked like almost like a abaya for example and she'd still get like these kind of death stares from other hijabi girls when she'd walk in the street and I'm like really the colours yeah. are really soft and muted it wasn't loud yeah. it wasn't figure hugging for example she's wearing a great scarf on I mean it's like I just noticed with them all it's kind of like are you, is this this like a you know almost like you know the Australian women have this catwalk envy she's wearing all these designer brands are we going to do that with hijabis now oh she's wearing a really nice outfit she's not a very good Muslim yeah. I mean really is that what our communities come yeah, to in Australia exactly. like are we really going to be these kind of people yeah but so, in saying that I do think it's still a minority of, of people that do that I think yeah. the vast majority are people who are very supportive and you know like especially living in, in um, society like we do here um, where we are a minority and the mark you know <laughs> you know the, the magnifying glass is upon our community yeah. um, you do find a general sense of support from most people where they they'd see another hijabi and they'd just be like mashallah you know yeah. alhamdulillah you know um, she's inshallah she's getting nearer to Allah and but I don't think there's any sort of 
I just, yeah, even with the non-hijabis, I think, you know, if you see a non-hijabi attend a lecture, I think you're like, oh, you know, mashallah, you know, that's great. You know, yeah. it's great. So I think there is a general sense of support. And I do think the people who are negative are, are a small minority. Yeah. Um, but, sure. you know, there's problems in every society. Yeah. There's jealousy and envy and whatnot in every society. And these are just diseases of the heart that needs to, you know, need to be addressed yeah. personally. I read a really funny story about it once, which was about, I think, a Pakistani woman who was wearing a traditional, how do you say it? Shalwa kameez. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, fighting with a Lebanese girl who was wearing a headscarf and skinny jeans. <laughs> and the Pakistani woman wasn't wearing a scarf. And she's yeah. saying, look at you. You're, you know, you're showing your legs. You're showing your bum. Oh, wow. And the Lebanese girl's going, you're showing your hair. And they're just yeah. having this argument about, you know, both of them not being in hijab and that kind of thing. And it was yeah. just such a funny thing to read about. Yeah. Um, but onwards and upwards as always. So next question. There are obviously cultural norms in regards to clothing styles and trends within different communities. Now, obviously, this community in Australia has most people I know who are Muslim in our age tend to be second generation now. So born in Australia. And with that, do you think there's a particular Australian modest or hijabi style? And what would be the characteristics of it? I think there definitely is. Um, once we were at um, uh, Auburn Pools for the lady session, and we were looking, <laughs> we were looking session. at someone in the distance, and I remember Sarah and I both remarking, "Oh, that's the that's the typical Aussie like, yeah. um, you know, hijab style." I what think that there are shifts and changes. I've seen many yeah. sort of uh, changes over the years with oh, the different shifani. generations, but there's. Um, there's sort of like a chiffony sort of um, shawl material with like the black band yeah. and the way they wear it is sort of like with a low bun and then they sort of pin it to the front and just sort of tie it around. Um, I was I, I attend Dara College and I remember I was sitting at the back of the class and I saw like the whole like probably first three rows of girls had the exact same hijab style <laughs> and I just and it made me laugh because you know I also go to Turkey very often because my you know I have family over there <gasps> and um <laughs> yes Turkey Turkey do you have a comment answer or just a horrified gasp <laughs> just just a general horrified gasp uh, there you go. Continue, yeah <laughs> um yeah so so in Turkey you see it you know you practically Every every Turkish woman sort of wears it in the same same way, and I've always wondered like who starts that, you know? Yeah. Who, who starts the trend? It's really interesting. Like, yeah. how does everyone all of a sudden wear it the same way? And I, I I've been seeing that in Australia recently as well. Where, yeah. And it looks really beautiful. I mean, you see, it, I think um, a lot of that has to do with stores like Hijab House, yeah. and whatnot, yep. who are addressing their mannequins in certain ways, and yeah. I think a lot of people are sort of appropriating those styles as well. Yeah. But yeah. All right. Now we've not got long to go. So just to finish up with, do either of you have any fashion tips for the hopelessly unfashionable out there, such as myself and very clearly no, no, NASA? No. I'm not involved with this. I'm the talking guy today. Oh, okay. yeah. So I'm just, I'm Actually, I really like your style, Anna Rose. Oh, I really thank you. do. You've got like a really funky hipster retro style <laughs> going on. And I really like that. That's sort of like, yeah. It's I very coincidental. Really like you, it was my clean clothes today. No, yeah. it, you've, you've matched it really well. I like thank you. You know, the jeans, um, the sort of, um, what are they? Chucks like shoes, yes. <laughs> the nice dress, the cardi. Rolled I think... up cuff on the jeans. See, you're like zhuzhing up your Well, actually, if you'll notice, these are pinned up. They were too long oh. for me. The backs came off and I'm not very good at sewing. So It's I actually... a very grungy look, you know. You're thank you, thank like you. I was going for that outfit. deliberately. Let's yeah. spread that myth. But anyway, do you have any fashion chips? I've... 
Sarah, Sarah will, will Sarah is sort of observe you, and yeah. But I, I actually really like your Thank style. You. I think you should keep keep doing what you do. <laughs> Thanks. It's pretty um, awesome. I think you should always start out with you know being true to yourself and what you're comfortable in, what you're not comfortable yeah, in, yeah. and you know what what things you like, and then and try to find things slowly that um, that um, you know would fit that look. Yeah. Um, you know, there's no point trying to be or try to look like someone that you know you wouldn't feel comfortable in Mm. um you know i i went through high school with really short hair and i used to wear chuck taylors and (laughs) heaps of like jewelry layered up and stuff but that was just something i liked i didn't really care what anyone else thought but in that it was like a a style of my own you know which i was inspired by whatever rock bands at the time you know yeah uh i think now as i've gotten older it's a bit more polished i think i'm I, i know what my body's like my you know my body shape for example and i know what would look nice or what not uh yeah (laughs) And um, uh, like, well, I'll walk you through with what I'm wearing now. Yeah. Um, firstly, I'll start with I've got this bucket bag that is I got I got it from Vinnie's, for example. Yeah, really I, don't, nice. I don't, you know, I don't think that. Oh, I hate is, people like you. Whenever I go no, to Vinnie's, it's full of clothes that was I, very clearly <laughs> last worn on a dead person. Item and then they've given it away to <laughs> but I just never find anything love. like that. It's always horrendous. Always, I always do. See, and I'm wearing Very uh, boots from Target that are similar to all the other boots that are in there, but I just wanted like a chibi pair of boots. I've yep. got sassambide leggings on, Fair a much. really oversized tunic top from uh, Suzanne uh, that's like long sleeve and really, you know, appropriate. And I've got a military jacket from Sports Girl. I yeah, that's beautiful. A few years back. But, um, you know, it was an investment piece. It cost me a bit, but I knew that this this isn't going to date. It's really comfortable. I can wear it in the mornings when it's cold. Yeah. I try not to be fickle with the things I buy. It's got to be something I'm not going to hate after two things. Two yeah. Ways. So I think it's maybe that's my maybe my concluding tip you know when you see something will you wear it often yeah um do you really like the way you look in it do you like the way you feel in it and then it's worth it you know don't just look at the price for example brilliant yeah, yeah. Right. i just wear what's clean and if it fits <laughs> yeah. then it's a miracle okay. and it's so there <laughs> it's there fits cheap <laughs> that's how i dress then maybe i'm a supermodel as Clearly. well somehow. or maybe i'm a man <laughs> <laughs> Right. Wow, someone made a more awkward joke than NASA. This has oh, never wow. happened before. No, don't worry, the awkward jokes are coming. Awkward so, um, uh, are you guys married? Oh, oh, okay. No, we're not. No. Okay. <laughs> so this uh, this may be um, an incentive for the guys to come and uh, visit the show uh, this weekend. Yeah, yeah sure. Why yeah. not? What are you even talking about? <laughs> well, yeah. NASA, this was not a dating opportunity for oh, this fashion no just move on you know i have a feeling though uh, a lot of these fellas are going to be dragged by their wives to come yeah. to this exhibition right. I yeah think i don't think they'd come single boys any incentive weekend, uh, you know other than playing sports to come and see no women, so well i'm going to use think. this opportunity to plug mission of hope's got a um the m word coming up which is like a, <laughs> no um, no not mission of hope yes, no, I'm joking. and yeah. al-ghazali center have why aren't you married coming up too they're both Very of them are interesting forums, and mission of hope's got some great things coming up as well um to address this issue so Maybe you want to, you know, cover that story too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah we'll, we'll cover the crap out of it. Of course. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, thank you both for joining us today. It was really great to hear your perspectives on these issues. No worries. Our pleasure. Yep. So um, if anybody out there is interested in visiting the exhibition, it starts tomorrow, 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. every day. When does it finish? Um, I'm not too Next sure, but year, I think uh, it's February, got a long run. A long run. It's got a long run, yeah. The only day it's closed is Christmas Day. I read that on the website. Oh, wow. Sure. Okay, yeah. so it's until Christmas, so uh, inshallah, hope everybody... But also, yeah, check enjoys. out the website. Yeah. Um, they've got a really extensive website with street style photos yeah. and uh, bios of very famous Australian Muslim and women. And a sartorial that you can actually contribute to. So we if will. you're you quite fashionable, stylish, and you want to you you be part of the photos, go for gold. We will, inshallah, put the website on the Facebook page as well. 
Um, Jazakum Allah Khairan. Thank you very oh, much yeah, for coming at such short notice. We wish you all the best, inshallah. Thank you. Um, admission is $12, and I know it's expensive for uh, Banks Down Labs, but make it. <laughs> it's very good. It's a worthy cause. It's just what? two porter meals. Come on, it's not that bad. <laughs> And um, so that uh, brings us to the end of our show. The Arabic uh, news is next, inshallah. Thank you again to our guests and mm. uh, to our listeners. We'll see you next week, inshallah, from the presenter of the show, Nasr Khatib and Anwar Zayed. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Assalamu alaikum.